Good morning. Turn with me in uh, the scriptures to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Uh, to kind of give some context of what's happening here is uh, at, the, at the end of um, the previous book, Moses dies. Okay, Moses comes to that moment where uh, because of his disobedience in the wilderness, he was going to be able to lead uh, the Israelites all the way uh, up to um, the, uh, the border, the land. He wasn't going to be able to go into the land uh, that was promised. Okay? And so, in that moment, Moses had to say goodbye. Moses had to die. And the big question is, is who's going to take his place? Who is going to lead the people in the great challenge ahead? And that is actually going into the promised land. And that man was going to be Joshua. It was going to be Joshua. And so we see here, at the very beginning of chapter 1, we kind of have, I guess, what you would call a, a commissioning uh, of Joshua. And here's what it says in verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and, and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous." And then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Imagine the, uh, the great gravity of this moment. I mean, if you've watched... I mean, Moses, when we really talk about leadership, I mean, when people want to find an Old, especially an Old Testament, or really in general... Uh, a, a testimony of a great leader, everybody looks to Moses. I mean, a, a man that would lead his people out of captivity, uh, that they would wander around uh, in the wilderness for 40 years and do all kinds of miraculous acts uh, that would keep his people safe and keep his people fed and taken care of. And then you, you've got to fill those shoes. Okay? And, and like, as... Joshua, I would be taken back at this because I would be thinking, yeah, like he just wandered around like anybody can wander. 
And it's like you bring me up to the, uh, to the river and say, all this land that's full of really militaristic, uh, entrenched people, your job's to get them out and take their land, and they're not going to go nicely. Well, thanks, great. Like, Moses gets to wander around, and I have to go and, and, and do this amazing challenge of getting all these people out of the land that's been promised to us and take over. Right there in the very first moment, what is he dealing with? He's dealing with Jericho. Jericho. He's dealing with a fortress city at the very get-go. So he looked upon what was before him as this difficult mission. And just like Joshua, every man is called to step up into leadership. If you're married, you're called to lead your wife. If you've got kids, you're also called to lead them. And I would say even if you're single, uh, as you grow and, and you mature, uh, you just, as a civil servant in your job and, and just being a good, uh, a good citizen, like every man is called to be a leader. And oftentimes, Father's Day sermons are, are about calling men out, right? And, and uh, telling men to, to man up, and, and rightly so, because men are called to lead, uh, and we tend to be way too passive at times, and sometimes we need uh, to be challenged. But I think when we are in a church like Wyatt, a church that I believe are, are full of, it's full of men who are stepping up, who's not, it's not full of deadbeat men, it's full of many amazing men that are doing amazing things. Sometimes it's not, I mean, we just need to celebrate that, Okay. I just want to celebrate some of the ways that our men have stepped up to the challenge that God has placed before them. Oftentimes our men have stepped up and started ministries. Ministries that, man, the pastors, it wasn't even on our radar. And we had men step up and say, I think we need to do this as a church. And we've said, go, go do it. And we've seen people brought in to the kingdom, whether it's our Spanish-speaking ministry or our international student ministry and, and other ministries, we've seen people brought into the kingdom because men said, hey, I just don't want to sit idly by and I'm not going to wait for a, a mission from my pastors. I'm going to look around and see what needs to be done and I'm going to move into action. I think about Awan as a, a ministry that in many churches has died away because lack of volunteers. And yet in our church, it thrives. My parents, who are, they're here uh, this morning. I'm glad to have them here on Father's Day. And they were here for awards night. She's, they were like, how do, you, how do you have so many young adults volunteering? And we have all these men that work alongside women to make that ministry possible. They're not just sitting by. They're getting in there and, and teaching the kids the Scriptures. I think about... Uh, just simply recent work days. We've had some work days recently. And uh, I remember the first one, Brother Max uh, walked up and he said, this is the most men we've ever had at a work day. And Brother Max should know, he's been here a while if you don't know. He said, we've never had a work day with this many men. And and we've seen in in the last few months just so much uh, in our building, if you haven't noticed, that has been improve the outside and, and just some things cleaned up and man, that's to be commended 
We have men that have walked through uh, the challenge of family. Some men have walked through their, with their spouses with infertility. And that's been a struggle and a challenge that they've met boldly. We have men on the other end of the spectrum like me that I look at Crystal often and I say, where did all these kids come from? And like Jim Gaffigan says, it's like we left out peanut butter and just like cockroaches, they infiltrated the house. And you're leading big families and, and man, that is challenging as well. I think about our adoptive fathers. We have uh, six men at Wyatt that today on Father's Day, 11 orphans call them father. That's amazing. That is something to be celebrated. I was inspired uh, several months ago. We had a joint men's small group. And uh, I had them over to my house, and we, uh, it was a bring-your-own-steaks-and-guns uh, event, very manly event. Uh, so we shot guns and fired up the grill and cooked steaks. And then we just sat around the table, and I began to ask them questions about what was going on in their families. And uh, I, I was almost going to like encourage them as a pastor and try to inspire them to, uh, to go home and be better. But the, the reality is, is that, that many of them, most of them, were inspiring me. I mean, I was listening to men that, like me, haven't been to seminary. They, they haven't, they're not pastors. They're factory workers or law enforcement workers or bank workers. And they're talking about how they're talking to their kids about the gospel and how they're really taking care to make sure their kids understand the gospel. Just men that, that have the spiritual pulse. They have their finger on the spiritual pulse of, the, pulse of their kids. And I was just, I was inspired as a pastor that I get to pastor men like that. And our church is full of those type men that, that can shoot a gun, that can grill a steak, but man, they can also spiritually look after their kids. And I'm thankful for that. And while none of the men, none of, the men of Wyatt are perfect, and we all need further sanctification, there is uh, there's so much to celebrate because we have men that are stepping up. Like Joshua, they've taken up the mantle of the faithful men before them and have proceeded in those men's faithfulness. But let us, like Joshua, Joshua looked before him at a vast land that had been promised to his people and the hardest work was still ahead. There was Jericho standing in the way. And while there's much to celebrate, let's not be complacent, man. Let's realize that, man, there's still so much to do. There's so much more effort to give. And there's so much more that we need to do to see things through in our lives. We see in, um, that our calling as men is, is not an easy one. Leading those in our care is difficult. It's our responsibility to get those in our care to safety in a world that so often wants to take them down with ungodliness. The fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, it shows us what happens when men are passive. 
When men just sit back and let things happen, sin decays the world. So we want men that are always proactive, always thinking about the next challenge and always thinking about how to more deeply challenging themselves. But as God transfers leadership to Joshua, he transfers, transfers some things that are even more important than just the mission. It's what he's going to do to equip him for the mission. We often hear the command from this text, be strong and courageous. Like that's what we, uh, like if you go to a Christian bookstore and they want a manly shirt, that's what they, man, be strong and courageous. Or a coffee mug, a manly coffee mug, be strong and courageous. But what we really need to understand, like, what is the source? Like, when God says be strong and courageous, when he commands Joshua in this text to be strong and courageous, what is the source of that strength? What is the source of that courage? And we see that in verse 5 and 9. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you, Be strong and courageous. Verse 9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Notice how the commands to be strong and courageous are directly connected to the presence of God. Because listen, Moses didn't part the Red Sea. Moses didn't command manna to fall from the sky or water to come from the rock. God did those things through Moses. Moses did those things because God was with him. And we know that Joshua was a good man. He was a wise man. In in chapter 9 of the preceding verses, It says, and Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses laid his hands on him. Joshua was a good man. He was a wise man. But that was all for nothing if he wasn't the man whom God was with. He had to have the presence of God to be the leader that Moses was. When you stand in the shadow of Jericho, you better be more than just a smart or good man. You better know that God goes with you. Man, God places before all of us unique challenges. Wives to love like Christ loved the church and kids to point to God in a culture that seems hell-bent on bringing them down. Jobs to succeed at, at, at bringing order uh, when it, with a world that, is, that tends to constant disorder. But we can be strong and courageous in those challenges that almost at times seem impossible because God goes with us. If you're a Christian, if you've made a decision to follow and, and love Christ, then He goes with you. Let's all be honest, man. We're lucky in and of ourselves to have taken ourselves this far and and survived. Right? 
And now God's given us a wife and, uh, and, and children and, and others in our job to lead. And we better have the presence of God. And if God's presence was with Joshua in the Old Testament, you better believe that his presence is with you, New Testament saints. Listen to me. A lot of times you think, hey man, those Old Testament people, they had it made. No, you have it made. Because you live after the revelation of Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. The Old Testament saints would look at what you have in the revelation of Christ and His Spirit in you, and they would be amazed. Christ is with us. Christ is, our, is with us as our example. We have Christ who has shown us how to live. He has shown what it looks like to be the man that pleases God. Men, some of you, some of you didn't have a great dad. Some of you weren't raised in a Christian home with a, with a father that showed you an example of what a father should be. But you have in Christ an example of what a man should be, of what a father should be. He is the perfect man in our lifelong endeavor. Our lifelong pursuit as Christians is to be more like Him. But Christ is with us in much more than just our example. He is our Savior when we do not act like Him. If He just came and lived His life and said, all right, be like me, we would all be in really bad shape. We would all be in terrible shape if all He did was give us an example and said, see you later. Because we can't, we can't do it. That's why Christ is with us as our Savior, which is even more important than Him being with us as our example. Christ died because we as men and women will all fail, will we'll all fall short. We all miss the mark. Let's be honest, we miss the mark on a daily basis. We fail to love our wives as Christ loved the church. We fail to parent our kids perfectly. We, we let disorder win at our jobs at times. But God remains with us because His presence with us is not based upon our superior fathering, of our superior husbanding. His presence with us is based upon the work of Christ. So being that is why it was such an impossible mission that yes, you will fail at. You can have joy and you can have courage and be strong because God's presence is not going to depart from you because you made a mistake. If you know, if you have been saved, He is with you. In fact, in that moment, when, when Christ cried from the cross, 
Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? And in that moment that our sins were upon Christ and the Father had to turn away and forsake the Son, that happened so that it would never happen to you. The Father forsook His Son so that the Father would never forsake those who were in His Son. So that when you mess up, when you fall short, and so many of you, you know, you don't need me to stand up here and tell you all the ways you fail. You can tell me how you fail. And yes, you should seek to improve. You should seek to do better. But also realize that it is Christ in you. And that God's not going to give up in, with you. He's not going to forsake you. He will be with you as your Savior. Then we see the, God's man, uh, with God's man, we see the, the secret to his success. Much is made about success when it comes to a man's life. Oftentimes men have, uh, have this built-in urge to succeed, to, to do well in life. To climb the ladder of vocation, to uh, increase the income that they receive, knowing, uh, knowing this. Man, it drives book sales about success. Hey, Google, go to Amazon. Go to Amazon and do a search in books for success. Unending. It would take you days to look at all the titles. Titles such as um, Fit for Success, The Success Principles, The Story of Success, Millionaire Success Habits, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success, Finish First, Success through positive, positive mental attitude. The law of success. Organized success. success. Success is not an accident. The secret code of success. On and on and on. That's just the first page of Amazon. We live in a world that's obsessed with success. But you know what? God is not anti-success. In fact... He obviously desires Joshua to be successful. In verses 7 and 8, he mentions success twice and being prosperous once. Not only does he, does he mention success, he offers to Joshua the secret to success, which is that Joshua have a close relationship with his commands, with his word. We often see time, we often see God's commands as something that binds us. Like God gives commands because He doesn't want us to have fun. He doesn't want us to do what we want to do. He just He binds us. And that's what we think of His commands. That's what Satan convinced Adam and Eve of was, hey, God's trying to keep you down. But right here in, in this text. God says, the way that you succeed, my method for you all to be successful is to be people that love and obey my word. We see that we are to uh, walk in the boundaries of the word of God. Look at verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. 
Now that, that last phrase really stuck out to me because oftentimes when we, when we think about the will of God for my life, so many of us think about a geographical location. Like being in the will of God is a geographical location. It's am I living in the right city? Am I working at the right job? Am I in the right home? Have I married the right woman? And, and it's all about my location in life. And yet it says here that if you, will, if you will not go right or left, but you will stay in the boundaries of God's Word, you will have success wherever you go. So the most important question to ask yourself about the will of God and, and having a successful life is not where you live or what you're, uh, where you work or who you, even who you're married to. The question is, are you operating in the bounds of Scripture? That will be a life well lived. If you don't turn to the right or turn to the left, but you, you stay in the path that God has for you, no matter where you go, no matter where you move to, no matter where your job takes you, no matter who you wish you maybe had married, it doesn't matter, you're in the marriage that God has given you. And success is not in, in a new wife, it's in operating in the boundaries of Scripture in your marriage. We also see in verse 8, it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And so, God's man should be one who speaks the word of God. That's when, when we're sent into a world to lead in a world of decay, uh, our wisdom is worthless. It is all about what God has said, what His Word commands. That is, uh, as God's men, His Word should be often in our mouth as we instruct our children or love our wives or talk to people at work that have problems. It should be the Word of God. It says in verse 8, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Men, your relationship with the Word of God shouldn't be just a sermon on Sunday or even a Sunday school lesson on Sunday. Your relationship with the Word of God should be a daily affair. It should be, as this scripture says, meditate day and night. It should always be in your mind. You should always be thinking and dwelling and growing in your knowledge of the Word of God. It's what it says here that, that you'll have success if you'll be someone who obeys God's Word, someone who speaks God's Word, and someone who meditates on God's Word. I'm going to uh, just encourage you fathers to... And what a, what a blessing so many of you are to me. An encouragement in the way that you're loving God, loving your family. God has done amazing things in your life. But I want to encourage us all to not be content, but to, to move forward. 
to always gr- be growing in the men that we are. And men, when we fail, we need to realize that God's basis for loving us and His presence with us is not based upon being a perfect father, but it's based on the work of Christ. And so that's why we can be strong and courageous, because He's always with us. I'm going to ask you to please stand as our musicians uh, return. Just ask that you would uh, respond however God's put on your heart to respond this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the way the men in our church have stepped up. Help us to continue to step up. God, help us to be encouraged, to be strong and courageous because you are with us. And God, help us to be men that find success because we love and obey your word every day. God, please bless the fathers in our church. Bless the men of our church. Help them to pursue you always all the more deeper, further in, further up, further in into your promises. I move in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you.